How many of you um, are not ashamed at all to admit that God has worked in a way in your life and, and done a work in you and set you free? How many of you would say amen to that? Amen. Well, that, that's what, if we're, if, when we're talking about being set free, uh, what we've been talking about, the fact is that is something that God wants for everyone. And if this morning, if you have never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, if you've never asked him to do a work in you, if you've never asked him to break chains that you are wearing uh, or to take control of the life you're living, the very best gift you could give yourself and the people around you is to accept. Christ is your Savior and begin that walk with Jesus. And if you have done that, if you are one of those who could raise their hand and shout amen that God has done something in me, here's the question I want to ask you today. So who else knows what God's done in you? Who else knows what God's done in you? You know, I thought it was ironic that the message I'm going to do today falls on Memorial Day weekend because this is a weekend in which we honor those who felt that, you know what, freedom wasn't just something for themselves. They were willing to lay their lives down so that others could be free. And I thought, what a great challenge to us who say that God has set us free, that Jesus Christ has done something significant in our lives. Are we sharing that story? Are we letting other people know what God has done for us so that they might experience that freedom as well? We've been looking at a story from Acts chapter 12, and it was a story of Peter when he was arrested and he was placed in prison. And if you remember the storyline, Herod had, had Peter arrested. He was in jail. He had armed guards on, on both sides, and, and he was shackled in chains and all of this kind of stuff. And we've been walking each week at looking how God brings freedom to our life. And we talked about how God is bigger than the shackles that we wear. And, and we saw how the angel of the Lord was sent to, to tell Peter to stand up. And when Peter participated with God and what he was doing and stood up, the chains fell off and the angel led him out. And last week we talked about the fact that God not only wants to set us free, he wants us to walk in that freedom and to stay free. But today I want to kind of end this series with this idea. So now what? Now that we have freedom and now that we're walking in freedom, what do we do with that freedom? And who needs to know about that freedom? Let's, look, let's pick up the story again of Peter when he was out of the jail and, uh, and the angel had left. And here's what happens. If you want to track, track with me, we'll throw it up on the screen. This is Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 11. This is from the New, New Living Translation. It says, Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from the, and what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. And when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside. And I thought this was just hilarious. Here's Peter out of prison. It's like, hello, you know, and she just runs away. And she runs in and she told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. 
When she insisted, they decided, well, it must be his angel or his, his ghost or something. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Think about this. This guy that they knew was in prison was now free, standing in front of them. And he motioned for them to quiet down. And then what did he do? He told them what the, how the Lord had led him out of prison. And tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. And Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. And when he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Now, when I was walking through this, this passage of Scripture, this whole story, and I was laying this series out, one of the things that caught me was how, when Peter was set free, he found it important to, to, to go back to the very people that knew what had happened to him and share with them how, he, how God had set him free. Here's what Peter knew. These people that he was talking to, they were, some of them were going to face imprisonment just like him. Some of them were going to have their own trials and struggles. And what they needed to know, they needed to know what God did for Peter so they could believe what God would do for them. Does this make sense to you? You see, Peter didn't keep his story of God's work to himself. He told others. So here's the question. Who knows your story? Who knows your story? You see, even when we talk about Celebrate Recovery, we're not talking about simply a place for people to come uh, who, who have issues and need help with those issues. It's also a place for those of us who God has set free to go and be able to share, this is how God brought freedom in my life, and if God can do this for me, just think what he can do for you. Does that make sense to you? Now, I, I, I kind of try to just look at a, at a few thoughts that maybe will kind of just help you say, Pastor Steve, you know, God has done a work on my life. And my, you know, my story may not be dramatic like Peter's story, but your story is your story. And here's what I know. Somebody else needs to hear your story. And you need to tell that story for a variety of reasons. Can I give you a few? Here we go. The first one is this. Using your freedom to help others find freedom it's simply a way of paying it forward. It's simply a way of paying it forward. You do realize that Peter's freedom wasn't just because of who he was. Remember at the very beginning of this story when Peter was arrested and he was thrown in prison? What happened? I put the passage of scriptures there in your outline from Acts 12 and verse 5. Read it out loud. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Don't miss this. You see, Peter was in jail, and what did the people around Peter do? They began to pray, and in fact, it was in response to their prayer that God shows up and, have, and sets Peter free. In other words, Peter's freedom wasn't just freedom that he got on his own. It was also because other people were there for him when he needed that. Now, just think this thought with me. How many of you can look back on your journey of faith and can honestly admit you wouldn't be here today, you wouldn't be 
who you are today if some other people hadn't shared their story with you or at least poured into your life for you to find your way? How many of you can say, yeah, that's me, that's me? What I've discovered is that very few of us ever come to Christ all on our own without any help from anyone else. Most of our stories of freedom are because someone took the time and effort to share their story or come alongside of us and our freedom, we owe them. We can't pay them back, but you know what we can do? We can pay it forward. Um, several years ago, I was, I was speaking at a, a state men's retreat in Ohio, and uh, I was born and raised in Ohio. And uh, there was a, a whole group uh, from my home church that I had grown up in that were there. And, and uh, this weekend retreat, I spoke on Friday night and then again on Saturday morning. And I had a couple more times that I was going to speak. But at Saturday at lunchtime, uh, I was sitting there with the group from my home church where I grew up. And uh, as I was sitting there across some of these people who had known me literally all my life, uh, these guys, these men, some of these men were just saying, you know, Steve, it's just, it's so cool to, to see where you've, you know, what you've grown into. And it's so cool to see that you really aren't in jail and, you know, this kind of stuff, you know, so they saw me when I was very young, you know, and it, it, it's very, it's just so cool to, you know, listen to you preach and see how God is using you. And they were very complimentary of all this. And and then all of a sudden it hit me. These guys who were saying this to me, these guys, several of them had been my youth sponsors when I was in high school. They had been youth counselors who helped our youth. And I was looking across this table and I identified four or five of them where I had been in their home and they had spoken to my life. Some of them were, were, were guys who pulled me aside and, and helped straighten me out. A couple of them were guys who, during my volatile years, met me at the altar when I came to the front for, for prayer and, and prayed with me and, and, and counseled me and guided me. And, and I realized that you know these guys who were here thanking me and praising me, I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for them. And I looked at these guys, and I, and I got tears in my eyes, and I just said, you know, guys, I appreciate what you're saying, but, man, I, I wouldn't be here if you hadn't let me stay in your homes, and if you hadn't put your arm around me and came alongside of me in my very volatile teenage years, I wouldn't be who I am if you hadn't given me what God had given you. I realize that every Sunday when I get to get up and speak and every day that I get to be a pastor, I'm a debtor. I owe all of these people who have poured into my life and all of these things I do when I share my God story, you know what? I'm just paying it forward. Amen? And that's what we all have the opportunity to do. I love in John chapter 4 the story of Jesus with the woman at the well and how he reveals himself to her, uh, and, and she goes running in back into her town saying, telling everybody, hey, come, come meet a man who, who told me everything I ever did. This guy knows my entire life. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out, and they met Jesus for themselves. And look at what it says. And it says, and they said to the woman, read it with me, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves, now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. She had this incredible moment. Don't miss this. She had this incredible moment with Jesus at the well. And you know what? She could have just stayed there. But she could have just kept it to herself. But she didn't. She took that gift that God gave her, 
and she paid it forward to her community. And many came to believe as a result. What a cool gift. Let me give you a second thought about telling our story. Sharing your freedom or sharing your story of freedom with others, it secures it more firmly within you. It secures it more firmly within you. You know, when someone um, is dealing with alcoholism and they, you know, they, they want to make a step towards sobriety, one of the things they tell them is they say, do 90, 90 uh, meetings in 90 days. In other words, go to AA, 90 meetings in 90 days. And a part of that, yes, is to be around other people who are going to help you stay sober. But another part of that is about you telling your story so that you know who you really want to be. That secures it in your heart. Think about this. You know, when we tell our God story, when we share with someone else something has happened, think about how that firms in on our own heart. Think about how that stirs up passion for us. Think about how that reminds us of what God has done. I mean, th- come on. Some of us, we got saved a long time ago. And one of the things that happens to us along the way is we just forget. We forget how lost we were. We forget how guilty we felt. We forget how messed up our lives were. And every once in a while, we need to tell that story again because that creates the fire in our hearts again. That creates security in our hearts again. Does that, does that make sense to you? Um, when Wanda and I were, um, were dating, um, when we were in college, Wanda, Wanda was at Anderson, Indiana at, at a college, and, and I was down at Gulf Coast Bible College in Houston, Texas. And for two years, we had this long-distance relationship. Now, this is, you know, back in the early 1800s, you know, when, when there was no, you know, there, there were no cell phones, there wasn't email, there was no internet, and so we were, we were truly old school. I mean, we were, we were writing each other every day, and, and uh, every once in a while, send a little nice romantic card back and forth, and like every other week, we would, uh, I would call and charge a third-party call to my parents' home phone number, you know, and talk, talk to her for, you know, 30 minutes on a pay phone in the, in the dorm, and, uh, but Wanda, being brilliant as she is, had this incredible idea about sending cassette tapes back and forth. And so Wanda would record on a cassette tape and she would tell me about her week and tell me all the things that she did and who she was around and what happened at school. And then she would flip it over and on the backside, we'd get to the really good stuff. You know, and on the backside, she would tell me how much she missed me and how much she loved me and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, you know, kind of good. And so I'd get the tape and then I would take a tape and then I would record on it and I would record on one side, you know, I'm playing basketball and here's who we played and how I did and here's what's going on on campus. And then I would get to the backside and on the backside, I would go, oh baby, I love you so much. I miss you so much, you know, and get all of that, all that gooey stuff. And we did that. And we did that back and forth for, for two years. Wanda kept all of those cassette tapes. And, I mean, you can't even buy a cassette player anymore, Harley. But, um, but we, we decided, you know, they're, gonna start, they're starting to deteriorate now because, wait, I mean, this was like 40 years ago or 50 years ago. Oh, that, am I that old? 45 years. We got married 45 years ago this June. So, yeah, I mean, it's like 47 years ago. That's, that's a long time. That's an awful long time. <laughs> I must have been three when I got married or something, yeah. But we, we were sending these tapes, so we decided we've got to save these tapes, 
And so now, great, because of technology, you can actually plug it right into your computer and you can play the tape and it'll save it digitally. So we've been taking evenings where we will listen. We're trying to do them in sequence. We will listen to the cassette tapes. You know, that's kind of our evening together. And so we'll play it as it's being recorded into it. And it's so cool, you know, because you're listening to the tape and, and Wanda's talking. He's, oh, yeah, I love you so much. I can't wait to see you again. So we listen for like 10 minutes and then I got to stop the tape and we got to kiss for a while. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And then we'll pull it back on, you know, and we'll listen. Oh, I know you're coming to my house. I can't wait to meet my family. I know God's, you're the one God has. You know, we listen for 10 more minutes and I'm knocking it off. You know, we got to kiss some more, you know. We get about two thirds of the way to tape and I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm done. You know, we're just, you know, you don't need to know the rest of that. But we're just, you know, we just got to turn that tape off, you know, just got to go. But it, it's, been, it's been so cool. Now, I, want you, I just want you to get this. Listening to those tapes reinforces the love we have for each other in our hearts. It reminds us of what we felt at the very beginning. It reminds us of, of that commitment that we made. It, re, it reminds us of God being with us through that time. It reminds us of why we chose each other to begin with. Does this make sense to you? And it's the same way when we tell our God story, we're reminding ourselves of what God did and how passionately in love with him we really are. I, I love what Paul said to Timothy he goes, you know, I'm suffering now because I tell the good news, but you know what? I'm not ashamed. Why? Read it with me. Because I know Jesus, the one in whom I have believed, and I am sure that he is able to protect what he has trusted with me until that day. Look at me. Hear what Paul says. I know who I've believed. I know I can trust him. When you keep that story alive in your heart, you know who you've believed. Amen? You betcha. You betcha. Let, let me give you a third one. God's work in you is never just for you. God's work in you is never just for you. Look at me and hear my heart with this. One of the curses of our culture is the belief that everything that God does is just about me. And it's not. Now, please hear me. God loves you. He really does. He died for you. Yes, he did. But that work that God does in your life, it isn't just about you. Just like it wasn't just about Peter. Did God love Peter? Yes, he did. Did God set Peter free? Yes, he did. But God setting Peter free wasn't just about Peter being free. Peter came out and he went back and he shared his story with a whole group of people who got encouraged because they saw what God could do for Peter. The other apostles gained courage because they saw what God did for God used Peter's story over and over and over again. In fact, here we are 2,000 years later still talking about Peter's story because Peter told his story. Does that make sense to you? And God doesn't want to just do, yes, he wants to do something amazing in your life. Yes, he wants to free you and, and, and work in you. But God also wants that story to work in the lives 
of others. It is for those around you. There's a, a great story in the, in the news um, just two months ago. Throw that picture up on the screen. Those two girls are best friends. The one in the front taking the selfie is Toriel Norwood, and that's her best friend, Azariah. Um, Toriel is, is 16, and a couple months ago, she and uh, Azaria and two other friends were uh, driving there in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, where they lived, and they were broadsided you know, by another car, and they were forced, and when they hit them, it threw them off and right into a tree. Throw that picture up on the screen. There's a picture of the, of the accident. And uh, when they crashed, um, Toriel got, got bruised up a little bit, but she was able to, to climb through the windshield and get, get out of the car. Uh, her other two friends were both fine, but when she went looked back, uh, Azaria was unconscious. Then she got out of the car and she ran back. They opened the door and they could see that Azaria had a cut on her head, but when they got her out and got her on the ground, uh, all of a sudden, uh, Terrell, uh, she realized that her best friend was not breathing. And um, so Terrell got, uh, all these people started rushing in and they were coming up close. And immediately, Terrell said, everybody stand back. And everybody kind of took a step back. She needs room to breathe. She got down. Uh, she checked her pulse to make sure her heart wasn't beating and it wasn't. And she gave her two quick rescue breaths. And then she began compressions. And uh, she continued to give compressions until the EMTs got there. And by that time, she had gotten her heart beating again. And Azaria was taken to the hospital. And, uh, and, and thankfully, uh, she was fine. She, she ended up getting stitches in her head, uh, but she came out well. And the EMT told Terriel, said, you just saved your best friend's life. You know, your quick actions just saved her best friend's life. Here was, here was the crazy thing. Terriel had just learned CPR the day before the day before. She was in a, a program at school called Athletic Lifestyle Management. And it's a program where for people who think they may go into the sports industry or people who may be going into wanting to be first responders or you know, those kinds of things, it's kind of a prep class uh, for that. And the day before, the very day before is when they had the CPR training and, um, and Terry L. was able to use that training the very next day to save her best friend. Her teacher, when her teacher was being interviewed, said, you know, as a teacher, you always dream that your kids are going to be able to use what you give them someday. She goes, I've just never had a student have to use it the very next day. You know, that was just crazy. Now, I said all that to say, you know, this training that she received as, as, a, as a CPR training, it, it's not just something to put on a resume. The CPR training that, that Terry O got wasn't just something for her to keep to herself. It, it wasn't just, okay, look at what I've learned. It wasn't just about getting a job as a first responder. What, what happened as she learned, it was about being able to give that away to other people. And it's the same for us in our journey with God. God works in powerful ways within us, look at me, but it's never just for us. Here's what I know. Someone you know needs to hear your story. I promise you that there are people that you know who are walking through the, some of the same stuff that you have walked through, had some of the same questions that you have, and need to find that same Jesus that you found. I love what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. 
He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Read it. Give as freely as you have received. In other words, Jesus said, I've poured all of this into you, not for you to keep to yourself, but to share. Paul understood this. Look what Paul says. Paul says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And you know what? I'm the worst of them all. Read it with me. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul said, you know, this thing that God has done for me is an amazing thing, but it's not just about me. What God did for me is an example to a lot of other people. And Paul's story was used by God to impact a lot of others. God's work in you is never just for you. Amen? Amen. Let me give you one, one more thought. Sharing your story of freedom is the greatest offering of thanksgiving that you can give to God. Sharing your story of freedom is the greatest offering of thanksgiving you can give to God. Worship is, um, it's my pathway to God. Um, All of us lean into God a little differently. Uh, For me, um, I can get lost in worship songs, and it's it's an extremely emotional experience for me. Um, But all of our praise and, and all of our prayers of thanksgiving, we could never give God back what he's done for us. We could never pay God back for what he's done. Do you know what the highest praise that we could ever give God for the work that he's done in our lives? Do you know what that is? It's sharing our story with someone else. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, you know what? There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who don't need any repentance. In other words, when we share our story with someone and they hear our story and step into God as a result of our story, God says, that's the greatest gift you can give me because when someone turns toward me for the first time, man, there is a party in heaven. I love what Jesus said to the demoniac in Mark 5. If you remember, Jesus had cast these demons out of this guy, and this guy wants to just hang out with Jesus. He just wants to stay with him. But Jesus says to him, look, he says, no, go home to your family, and you tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Read it with me. And so the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he had told them. That was the greatest gift that that guy could have ever given Jesus for what he did. Look at me. 
God's glory is in your story. That's what people need to hear. That what God has done for you, what he's done for me, he can do for them. That God can break those chains. That God can change their life. That God can heal their hearts. Just like he's healed ours. Yeah. There was a, a great story. Some of you may have seen this in the news. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's Edward Markle. Um, when Edward was 27 years old, he stood before Judge Bruce Morrow. He was convicted of possession and uh, uh, intention to distribute drugs. And it wasn't his first time to be arrested. If you look back across his past, he, he had a, a history, a pretty long rap sheet. People would look at Edward and they would say, there's a career criminal. There's really no hope for him. But as Judge Morrow, we had an opportunity to, to talk with, with Edward. He, he just felt like there was something in this kid that needed to come out. There was something salvageable in there, something savable in there. Edward was facing a, the maximum 20-year sentence. But Judge Bruce said, you know what? I'm not going to give you the maximum sentence. In fact, what I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you three years of probation. And Judge Morrow looked at this guy and he said, you know, you can do better than this. You're a smart, smart kid. He said, the next time I see you in this courthouse, he said, I, I want to see a business owner. I, I want to see a, a guy who's being successful. I want to I see a, a CEO of a company. You've got that kind of potential in you. Now, I challenge you to go do something with it. Edward was blown away. He said he never, never in his wildest dream believed he was not going to have to go to jail. But he said, you know what? I love a good challenge. And he decided, I need to get my life turned around. And so Edward began the journey. He, he went back and he, he got his GED. And he began to take classes at the community college. And he decided, I'm going to make something of myself. But what he decided on was going to be a really hard journey. You know what he decided? He decided he wanted to be an attorney. <laughs> he decided that he wanted the chance to come alongside of some other guys who had been where he was and help see in them what the judge had seen in him. But this was not going to be an easy task. Not only was he going to have to complete the education, he was going to have to get past a certification board that was going to look very, very carefully at his past. And he thought his crimes may actually prevent him from being able to be, become an attorney. But he kept working. He passed his classes. He started clerking in a, in a lawyer's office there in the Detroit area. And when it came time to stand before the certification board, he, he said, they want you to be real and honest. And he said, so I was real and honest. And he said, they heard my story. And they believed me. Throw that next picture up on the screen. And so the next time that Edward stood before Judge Morrow was after he had passed the bar exam and was sworn in as a certified lawyer for the state 
of Michigan. Throw that next picture up. And after swearing him in, Judge Morrow grabbed him in an embrace. Out of all of the things that Edward could have given as a gift to Judge Morrow for this gift of probation instead of jail time, this second chance that the judge gave him, he could have done a lot of things, but you know what? There was no greater gift than taking what he had been given and use it for the benefit of others. I know that many of you love God and you're doing your best to please God, but I just want to challenge you today because there is nothing greater you can do for what God has done for you than to share your story with someone who needs to hear. Let me pray for you. Our Father, as we come before you today, I just want to say thank you. Lord, there are so many of us, when we look at our lives, we realize what a mess we've been, and we look at how entrapped we had become. We look at where our lives were and all the things that had gone on, and we realize, Lord, that we are only here today because of the great grace that you have shown us. Father, today... I pray that you would help us not to let those stories of redemption be kept to ourselves. There are kids at school who need to hear our story of what God's doing in our life. There are people at work who need to hear our story of what you've done for us. There are people, Lord, are around us. There are family members. There are friends. There are neighbors. There are people all around us every single day. They need the same Jesus who worked this change in our life. And for many of them, the only way they're going to hear that you can set them free is if we tell them how you have set us free. So, Father, I pray today. I pray that this story that we have, as, as sacred as it is, won't, won't be something that we simply bury deep in our hearts. But I pray that just like Peter, that we would take our story of freedom and we would share it with those who need to know. Lord, it's humbling to think that somewhere along the way in life, someone else's story of freedom will begin when we share with them our story of freedom. Lord, we don't know how you can use us, but here we are. Lord, we love you so much. If we had a thousand lifetimes to pay you back, we never could. But maybe somewhere along the way, you can take what you've done in us and give us opportunity to share it with someone else. And maybe one day, God, there will be a huge party in heaven because you have used our story to set someone else free. Lord, we love you today. Help us to take our stories with us and share them where you can. In the precious name of Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, amen.